You know, there are three things that I want us to look at as we look at this journey of the Israelites to the promised land of Canaan. If you were taking notes, it's really easy to know. We're going to look at knowing God's character. Second, trusting God's vision. Third of all, possessing God's promises. Now, first off is knowing God's character. In knowing God's character, you have to do that through personal experience. The word know involves a relationship. It involves knowing about someone, and the stronger and deeper that relationship is, is because you've experienced that individual in a variety of situations, around a variety of people, and a variety of circumstances. We have to ask ourselves, what exactly did the Israelite people know about God's character? God's character had been revealed to them in countless ways over countless time. They knew God as Father. He had chosen them to be His people, to be His children. They knew Him as Deliverer. He had delivered them from Egyptian slavery. They knew him as miracle worker. As they left the slavery behind of Egypt, they were trapped by the Red Sea. And God performed the miracle of parting the waters for them to go through. And then when the chasing army of the Egyptians came after them, the waters came back together and drowned them. They also knew God as provider. Every day that they journeyed, He provided them manna, and they had food to eat. They also knew Him as a guide and a protector. Everywhere they went, during the day there was a cloud of smoke that, that went with them and showed them the way, and at night there was a pillar of fire. Now, I could go on and on and on with the list, but that's how you know someone's character is through personal experience. And as you read through your Bible, that is the reason why you see so many different names for God. Those names for God come out of personal experience. The personal experience of knowing Him as our great physician, knowing Him as our creator, knowing Him as our Abba, Daddy, Father, know God's character and never forget His character. Because the thing that you have to understand is when you know someone's character, you can already predict how they're going to respond in a situation. My encouragement to you is to keep a scrapbook. How many of us have scrapbooks of memories everything that's happened in our family. We have like family picture albums of our children growing up or family vacations that we've gone to. Let me ask you this, do you have a scrapbook of spiritual memories with God? Because you have to remember, when you are facing a tough situation that requires a large amount of faith, don't let fear paralyze you. Go to your scrapbook and be reminded 
that the character of God who was there for every situation in the past is present right now as a present help for you. So don't ever forget the character of God. That's what gives us hope in knowing that no matter what happens, we will be okay. Kind of reminds me of the story of there was this um, little old lady who was living in a retirement community and she had walked outside of her front door and was sitting on a park bench outside. A few moments passed by and a gentleman walked over and he sits down on the other end of the park bench. After a few moments, the woman asked the man, are you a stranger here? He replies, I lived here years ago. So where were you all these past years? In prison, he says. Oh, why did they put you in prison? He looked at her and very quietly said, I killed my wife. Oh, said the woman, so you're single. <laughs> As a single guy, I love that. Always looking for the opportunity that hope may bring to you. Second thing I want us to look at, and that is trust the vision of God. Too many times we trust in ourselves rather than putting the trust in God. If you look in Numbers 13, you will find there exactly what the assignment was for 12 spies that were selected to go out and check out the Canaan land, the promised land. And what their assignment was is told in the first part there of chapter 13 and beginning in verse four, uh, beginning in verse 17, he talks about Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And just to let you know, today that land of Canaan would be a territory that would include Lebanon, Israel, northwest portion of Jordan, and some of the western areas of Syria. So it was a large, fruitful, fertile land. And what they were supposed to go, verse 18, see what the land is like. See if the people there are weak or strong, and how few or how many there are. Verse 19, how is the land in which they live? Is it good or is it bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they open camps or are they fortified? And look at the land and tell us if it's lean or fat or there are trees in it. Make every effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. And now is the time when the first ripe grapes had come about. So they went up and they spied the land that God had promised to them. Now, this promise goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 1.8, where God had said to Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob, I will give you a land for your people. And your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky, the pebbles on the sea, on the sand. And what he was saying is, I've given you this promise. You will be able to trust in the vision that I have of you being a great nation in Canaan, influencing other nations to know me as the Lord God Almighty. So the vision had been cast a long time ago. And now that they were out of Egyptian slavery, they are on the threshold of receiving the vision that God had for them. Now, let me just tell you, there is a difference between a dream and a vision. A dream is an idle hope. I dream someday I will be six foot ten. <laughs> it's an idle hope. A vision, it is an imagined reality. For example, when you talk to the child that says, someday I will grow up and be a pediatrician. And they study hard in school. And they want to talk to other doctors. And they ask if they can volunteer at the hospital and maybe go on rounds with doctors. That's somebody that has more than a dream of being a pediatrician. That's someone that has a vision who is making something happen. Now you see the difference. What you're going to find out is that the Israelites dreamed of possessing Canaan land. God had a vision, but in order for the vision to be accomplished, they had to trust and believe that God would provide it. So the very first steps here was to come back and bring a positive report. Because we want you to see the land that God is promising for you. And when they come back, now you have to remember, all 12 of these spies is a leader from each of the 12 tribes that have been organized of Israel. And when you come back, bring the report. So they came back. All the spies gave this great report that it truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. They bring back this cluster of grapes. It takes two men on a pole to hold it and bring it in. Beautiful, fertile, and everything. But let's go down to verse 28. Verse 27 is where they said, we went into the land and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and here's the evidence of its fruit. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large and moreover, we saw the descendants of Ark there. They went further to say, it looks bad for us because the people in the land are strong and fortified and we are nothing. In fact, as you go further down in chapter 13, verse 33 ends with, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. How you view yourself is projected to others. 
Now remember, these are God's chosen people. These are people who have been provided for, they had been delivered, they had been constantly guided, protected, and nurtured by God Almighty Himself. They were His people. But apparently they never caught the vision of who they were in His strength. Because now all of a sudden they had human eyes to see the obstacles rather than the opportunity. God's vision was all about opportunity. Just to remind you, the little lady that was at the retirement community saw opportunity when the gentleman sat down next to her on the park bench and said, yes, I've been in prison. And the woman said, that's great. You're single, huh? Where is opportunity presenting itself? How do you view yourself? Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms. It talks about how God knew us before we were formed in the womb. God knew our potential. God envisioned who we could become. We cannot escape the presence of God, whether we go high, low, or in between. I love it when he says, my frame was not hidden from you. Just to let the online community know, I really am not six foot ten. I have to confess that, especially being in God's house. But that's okay. I am five, six, and three quarters, and when you speak of me, add the three quarters. But that is the frame that God envisioned for me to have. And who you are is who He envisioned to have, and it's our responsibility to find out what God's vision is when He created us with all this potential and what we're going to do. And it's the same thing with the Israelite people. They needed to dig down deep and be reminded of God's vision for them to be a great nation that would influence the world about the Holy One true God, but instead they compared themselves to the people that were in the land. Now, here's what's interesting. I read to you specifically what the spies were supposed to do. Nowhere in that assignment from Moses were they supposed to render a military opinion. They were just to report. That's all they were supposed to do. They were given an assignment, but they took on a job that was never promised to them. And as a result... They influenced as the leaders, they influenced through their report where the whole people were like, oh, woe is me. Because they believed they were grasshoppers in a land of giants. The report even went further to say, not only are there giants, they are cannibals. They devour the people that come and try to take over their land. I mean, they really even exaggerated it so they could get their point across saying, oh, woe is me, we cannot take the land. Always forgetting it wasn't you, Bubba, who made the decision to have the land. It was God's vision and he was giving it to you, and he was saying, you have to go and possess it, and I, in my power, will make sure it happens. Remember your scrapbook of memories on the character of God. 
And so what happens is what I love in verse 30, which is our major verse today. And you see it up there on the screen. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Now, just to add another portion about Caleb, if you flip over in the Scriptures to chapter 14 and go down to verse 24, God is talking about the spirit, the character, the vision of Caleb when he says, but my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, which means full-hearted, not divided, full-hearted, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Well, now we're kind of thinking, so if he's going to go into land, what's going to happen to the rest of us? Go back to chapter 13, verse 31. That verse begins with, but the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. You know, somebody's always got to have a but in a sentence. Did you realize that the word but in every language of the world, when you see that word but in a sentence or someone tells you something and they add the word but, it discounts everything that goes before it. Did you know that? So it's the same thing that even though you give this great report, but, and everybody focused on the second part of that sentence, which is we cannot take it. We cannot possess it. Think about that for a moment. How many times have you been in conversation with people that are negative? You know, I like that family that lives across the street, but they got to go get a job and not play the music so loud during the day. I like my job for the income I receive, but it's just not working out for me. Think about how many times we ourselves give a positive report, but we deny everything positive with the but. Got to tell you something. Something that I really enjoyed and I failed to tell you earlier. Walter Hendrickson makes this statement. He says, every problem that a person has is based upon his concept of God. If you have a big God, then you have small problems. If you have a small God, then your problems are big. I don't know who said this, but I really like this. Someone said, if you're going after Moby Dick, bring along the tartar sauce. <laughs> That's a vision. I know I'm going to capture him. I'm going to cook him. I'm going to eat him. And I'm going to have the tartar sauce to make it happen. Trust God's 
vision. And because the people did not trust the vision and they were swayed by the negative report, God was upset. God was done. Because you see, what they were saying is, we don't have faith in you, God. We're denying your word. We're not believing you. And on behalf of the people, Moses and Aaron interceded and said, God, don't destroy these people. And God said, fine. What will happen then is every person 20 years of age and older will never go into the promised land. Something that they had longed for and imagined and hoped, especially during all those 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And now they were on the threshold of taking it. Because of your disbelief, you will not possess the land. It will be your children. So everyone 20 years of age and older will die in the wanderings of the wilderness. And what's going to happen is it took 40 days to spy out the land. For each day that you spent spying is going to be a year of your traveling. So for 40 years, you will walk aimlessly in the wilderness until every one of you drop dead except for your children and Caleb and Joshua. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Yeah, it does. Because remember, Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb was fully hearted. Caleb fully believed that if God said it, I know it's going to happen. Caleb believed the fact God's got this. Though we see with human eyes what we cannot do with God, all things are possible. And that's where our freedom comes from. How many times are we anxious, concerned, and worried? I'll be the first one to admit to you, I stand here right now anxious, concerned, and worried about my daughter and her two children in Albuquerque, New Mexico with no car and no support system and she's starting a new job. God's got it. Oh, yeah. Sure. Nice words to say. Nice advice to give until you're walking through that experience. So believe me. When someone comes along glibly and goes, just give it to God, it'll be okay. Have you ever had that experience? And you're kind of going, but, 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 there's those buts. But, but you just don't know what I'm experiencing. You, you, you just don't know what I'm encountering. You just don't know. Yeah, because you're seeing with human eyes. Remember, and this is what I had to say to myself. God's saying to me, hey, Ty, just remember, I knew them before they were formed in the womb. I got this. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to do everything possible to ensure their safety, their security, and their future. But when things don't work out, and there's a plan B, and trust me, this past week I've gone all the way down to plan H's. You been there before? Yeah. Gets weary. But you believe that no matter what plan you put into place, it doesn't matter because God's power will take care of it. We quote Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good 
To those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes, we forget we exist to glorify God. We are called to his purposes. And even though with our human eyes it doesn't look like it's working out, we can have freedom to know all things are working out for his glory and our good. And sometimes the concerns and trials and anxieties that we go through is to prepare us for the next stage of life or the next assignment that God may have for us. How many times have you been able to take a disaster in your life or a problem in your life and grow from it to help someone else who's struggling? That's called community. Now. Are we there yet? Probably not. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Earlier today, we saw the video about freedom in Christ. We can truly be free through our freedom that we find in Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. There is a hope. The third thing I told you is remember to possess God's promises. Much like reminding the Israelites to possess the promised land filled with opportunity and not the obstacles you saw with human eyes. How many times have you literally sat back in a situation and realized that when it finally got worked out, God did a way better job of taking care of it than I ever could? How many times when we're faced with an obstacle, Do we look to see with real excitement going, oh, great, God, this is so bad. I can hardly wait to see what you're going to do to bring about your glory and my good. It's not my first response. You know, I I love the story about there was a gentleman who was recently widowed, and his family gave him a cruise to go on. They purchased it. First night of the cruise, he was sitting at a table, and at another table next to him, there was this lady that kept looking at him, and whenever he would look at her, she'd kind of giggle and put her, put her head down. Second night of the cruise, he was seated at the captain's table, and she happened to be sitting across from him. And so he was talking to the people around him, and every time he looked at her, and he caught her eye, and she caught his She'd kind of giggle and put her head down. Later on that night after dinner, he was walking on the deck of the ship, and he ran into this woman. And he said to her, excuse me, ma'am, do I know you? Because when you look at me, it's almost like you recognize me. And she kind of put her head down and giggled and shyly said, no, it's just that when I see you, you look a lot like my third husband. Well, the widower startled, looked at her and said, well, how many times have you been married? She said, twice. (laughs) 
<laughs> you hadn't heard from a single boy preaching in a while, have you? Yeah. <laughs> Possess God's promises. Look for the opportunity. They're not obstacles. They're opportunity that God sometimes places right in front of you. Finishing today. Possess God's promises takes belief. Do not let fear stand in the way of your faith and what God can do. Possessing God's promises, remember God is someone that never leaves us nor forsakes us. It's sometimes hard to know that, but we need to keep being reminded of that so that we know that no matter what happens, He is there to help us possess the vision He has for us, and it will get accomplished. A long time ago, a long, long time ago, I was on a date with a girl I really wanted to go out with, Ann Smith. When she smiled, my toes actually did curl. I just believe it. Well, I remember we went on this special date. It was on a Saturday night. We went out to dinner. And of course, you know how dinner goes. We always, the man, you know, we always say, where would you like to go? Oh, you decide. No, no, no. Where would you like to go? Oh, you decide. (laughs) Okay, well, let's go over to Outback. Well, no, I really don't want to go there. Well, you know. (laughs) So I said, you decide. You know, are we there yet? Uh, No. We hadn't even made a decision of where we're going to. So anyway, we go, we have dinner. After dinner, we decide to go to a movie. And in the middle of the movie, you know how it is, you're sitting there, the theater is dark. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the movie, that third glass of iced tea kind of kicks in. (laughs) So I excuse myself. And I went outside. And you know, whenever you go outside the darkened movie theater, there's all these bright lights of the concession stand and everything. You find yourself to the relief room. Then whenever you come back in, you just experienced all this bright light. And now you come into a darkened movie theater and you're kind of like, I can't see anything. Well, now, fortunately for me, then I was bright. Today, a little dim. But then I was thinking to myself, you know, I think I remember that when we came in, we sat about 10 rows back from the very back of the theater. So I thought, that's what I'll do. So I start walking down the aisle, one, two, three. Sure enough, when I came to the 10th row, there was a girl that was sitting there all by herself. So I was pretty proud of myself. So I scooted in, sat down, started enjoying the movie again. So all of a sudden... Had a tap on my shoulder. Anne was sitting on the ninth row from the back. I have no idea who I was sitting next to. The point is, I'm the one that moved. Anne stayed exactly where she was. And that's what happens to us when our faith gets a little whoppy jawed. God is still present. God is still there. God is still working things out. It's us that with our darkened vision of human eyes have moved from him.
in order to possess God's promises, do not forsake the relationship. Do not stop trusting in his vision and always remember that if God promised it, it will happen and you'll be able to possess his promises and be all that he called you to be as a faithful follower in Christ. And that's where we get the idea of freedom faith. See, freedom faith goes back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, which I love, because after chapter 7, Paul is going through all this struggle of, why is it that I do what I don't want to do? There's like this war that's raging within me. It's like I do what I don't want to do, but I can't make it stop. And you come to chapter 8, verse 1, and these beautiful words come out, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set me free. That's what it's really about. Relationship with God through your faith in Jesus Christ so you can possess all the promises He has for us. How do you do that? Well, we had a little bit of a video at the beginning. If you go to John, you remember where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want true freedom, then the first step is experience relationship with God the Father through knowing Jesus Christ, who is your Savior, and you make him your Lord. That's where true freedom comes from. If you want to know more about that, in a few moments, Kevin and I will be standing here at the front. You come and you talk to us about that, and we'll talk to you about that. But now, at the same time, what about those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, but we still struggle? We still become anxious. Okay? That's when we have to grow deeper in knowing God. Go to your scrapbook of spiritual memories of how God has always provided for you in every occasion, even if it wasn't according to your wishes and your desires, but He still provided. Go back in trusting God's vision for you of great are the plans that I have for you, a future filled with hope. And never forget to possess the promises of God, that relationship with Him means freedom because He's got it all in control. Kind of reminds me, when I was waiting in the airport, got a little bit of thirsty, and some of you know, I don't drink coffee, I drink caffeine through a Dr. Pepper can. So they have these little vending machines throughout the whole airport, and sometimes when you can't get in because you have a short layover, you go to a vending machine and you grab something, and this happens to be a Dr. Pepper that I brought from the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, <laughs> unopened. I know, there's the miracle right there. But you know, faith is a lot like that. You put your money in the vending machine expecting a Dr. Pepper to be released and come down and quench your thirst. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing, I'm a pepper, or you a pepper too. 
But I'm going to remind you that if we have that kind of faith, that the vending machine will provide what we put in, can we not have that kind of faith in God Almighty who created us and desires to love us and give us a great future? It's kind of interesting to think about that sometimes we have more faith in a vending machine than we do in praying and trusting God Almighty for our life and our future. There's a song that's out by Danny Gokey, and I close with these lyrics. I encourage you to listen to it. The lyrics that Danny Gokey writes starts off like this. Have you been praying and you still have no answers? Have you been pouring out your heart for so many years? Have you been hoping that things would have changed by now? Have you cried all the faith you have through so many tears? Don't forget the things he has done before. And remember he can do it all once more. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. Maybe you just haven't seen it, just haven't seen it yet. You're closer than you think you are only moments from the break of dawn. All his promises are just up ahead. Maybe you just haven't seen it. You haven't seen it yet. He had the solution before you had the problem. He sees the best in you when you feel at your worst. So in the questioning, don't ever doubt his love for you because it's only in his love that you'll find a breakthrough. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. Maybe you just haven't seen it, just haven't seen it yet. You're closer than you think you are. Only moments from the break of dawn and his promises are just up ahead. Maybe you just haven't seen it, just haven't seen it yet. It's a great prayer to have. Sometimes we lose faith and we lose hope. But it's only because you just haven't seen it yet. He's still working. I love the line where it says, he has a solution even before you knew you had a problem. Now, getting back to our wonderful story of family vacations with minor children. <laughs> Are we there yet? Not yet. But hold on and keep believing and enjoy the journey along the way. Like I always say, faith is like a roller coaster ride at Carowinds. You strap yourself in and you have no idea what's ahead of you. Sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down. Sometimes you go around the corner. Sometimes you go fast, sometimes you go slow. Sometimes you laugh, sometimes you're scared and your stomach drops to your heels. Sometimes you want to get out and God is right next to you going, just wait. It's really going to be great. But you got to stay in and enjoy the ride.